My name is Sebastian Poschke. I'm a lawyer at the law firm Linklaters in Berlin, and I'm here with my colleague Christopher Bremer, who is a partner also at Linklaters in Berlin. And we are both dealing with energy projects and regulatory issues. Christopher, why are we here today and what are we going to talk about? Well, Sebastian, thanks. We're, we're going to talk about um, two recent reports of the Council for, of European Energy Regulators dealing with unbundling, the status of unbundling uh, in the areas of distribution and transmission. And um, this is important and relevant because unbundling has been at the forefront of the European Commission's activities and legislative efforts in the connection with the third energy package of 2009. So unbundling, I mean, I assume most of our listeners know what this is about, but um, could you just briefly set out why is this an important topic? Yes, it is important because um, the Commission and also national governments at the time were concerned with potentials for conflict of interest in um, vertically integrated undertakings, so undertakings that are active on the one hand in the transmission of electricity and or gas, and on the other hand in the supply, production, generation, trading of gas and or uh, electricity. And they were concerned that these vertically integrated undertakings could um, um, act to the detriment of other market participants. And therefore, the Commission ultimately achieved in introducing through three different models for unbundling. The first being the, the strictest approach, the full ownership unbundling um, that strictly separates transmission of gas and electricity from the other activities that I just mentioned. And then there are two more or less exemptions from that, rules, uh, that rule, which is um, first the independent system operator, ISO, um, this option is available where the transmission network belonged to a vertically integrated undertaking on 3 September 2009. Um, that The vertically integrated undertaking can keep um, the transmission system but has to outsource, if you like, um, the operation maintenance to an independent company. So you can basically keep it but um, and you have to pay for it but you can't operate it. Indeed, and that's an interesting feature, and that's why this model is not very popular in world, um, Europe. And there are, I think, only seven of those ISOs um, in, in Europe. And last but not least, um, there's the, the independent transmission operator, so the ITO, um, that sort of follows a similar feature. The view, the vertically integrated undertaking can keep in the transmission system, um, but there has to be a strict ring fencing um, of the transmission operations. Um, so day-to-day -day management has to be kept by um, management and um, that the influence of shareholders is, is quite limited. And just for me to understand the, the vertically integrated undertaking, that, that's pure Euro jargon there, um, that is basically a group where or that pursues both activities, uh, so production or trading and supply, and also has a has a grid somewhere in its group. Yes, that's okay. absolutely correct. And um, so, among these three models, uh, is there actually a favorite uh, of the Commission and the national regulators? Well, um, there's a favorite clearly of the European Commission, and that was quite evident at the time when the third energy package was introduced, and that's the full ownership unbundling. 
but especially Germany and France pushed quite hard for the other two options that I um, described a minute ago, so the ISO and the ITO. So as there are quite a number of TSOs, so transmission system operators, um, those that run the highways, the electricity and gas highways, so to speak, um, in the EU, how many how many decisions or certifications are there by now? Um, th that's um, about a hundred and ten or a hundred nine, and um, the the CER, so the the Council of European Energy Regulators actually in its study that I mentioned that came out on 1st of April this year, checked with national regulatory authorities um, how the, these numbers are allocated um, to the various models. And the conclusion was that in the electricity sector, the ownership unbundling was the clear favorite with around 70%, whereas in the gas TSO um, field, they were around 44% um, organized as an ITO and 40% um, roughly as fully ownership unbundled gas TSOs. Okay, so we've got a favorite. We have got a favorite in electricity, but there's no clear favorite in, in the gas space. And how does this certification work? I mean, given that it's it seems to be a mix between national and European elements involved. Yeah, that, that, that's correct, Sebastian. And um, basically the competence for, for um, the certification, which is necessary for a TSO to be able to operate, um, is um, the, the national regulatory authority, which has to deal um, with the application and has to get in touch with the European Commission to ask for its opinion. And if necessary, the Commission can involve ASA. Um, that's particularly relevant, this cooperation between national regulatory authorities and the European Commission in the case of transmission system operators that operate between two member states, um, for example, between Britain and the Netherlands, um, the BritNet pipeline. Here, um, this will be particularly relevant in the case of TSOs that are active in two member states, such as in the case of BritNet, which is the electricity TSO spanning between the Netherlands and uh, the United Kingdom, where there have been regular meetings between the relevant national regulatory authorities, sometimes also involving the TSOs, information sharing, and then also close cooperation with the European Commission. So if there are two national uh, regulatory uh, systems involved, um, both basically have to find a common solution? Yes. Or is there a referee that in case of dispute can in the end decide there, there, if there there's, will be a certification? No, there's no formal referee in that sense. Ultimately, of course, the European Commission could intervene um, should it take the view that the position of the one or two of the national regulatory authorities um, infringe European law and then take action against the relevant member state to force that member state to... Um, um, the national regulatory authority taking the proper position. Okay, that's that's indirect enforcement. Yes, in our, indeed. Okay, and uh, as of today, have there been certifications refused? Yes, and as also referred to in the CER report, um, there have been two refusals, one in Spain, this Reganosa, um, because the national regulatory authority held that there was no strict unbundling between gas supply activities and gas transmission. And another case was Tenet in Germany, 
where Bundesnetzagentur initially um, refused the certification, arguing that Tenet didn't have sufficient financial resources. That matter was then ultimately settled um, between the Bundesnetzagentur and Tenet, and Tenet now holds the certification. And if TSO is not certified, does it have to stop operating, actually? Do the yeah. lights go out? Uh, yeah, interesting question, and that will have to be determined on the basis of national law. Um, here in Germany, you could argue, um, and you have to argue, that ultimately Bundesnetzagentur could stop the TSO without a certification from operating by withdrawing its permit to operate the grid, although that's only a measure of last resort, um, and that will hopefully not occur in the uh, in practice. Okay, so you just described uh, the the big gun, so to speak, um, that the regulator has. Um, but in practice, what did the CR find? Uh, how national regulators dealt with the uh, potential defects or certification obstacles? Yeah, so they, <clears throat> there have been cases of non-compliance with unbundling rules. And in these cases, um, there have been penalties imposed, for example, in Austria. And the, there has been indeed a case of a revocation of the certification in, in Latvia. There were modifications imposed on the certification and um, certification procedures have been opened ex office by the National Regulatory Authority. All right, thanks. Um, well, personally, I believe that since the transmission system operators dealing uh, or deal with the national regulator on a day-to-day -day basis, they probably have uh, other issues with the regulator as well. And on an informal level, the, the regulator will always make them known what their position is on certification obstacles. And you always see each other twice in this closed circle, I suppose. Um, but speaking about obstacles um, to certification, what were the main findings of the CER? Yeah, so the, the, the CER analyzed the opinions of the European Commission, which, by the way, have to be taken into utmost account by the National Regulatory Authority. Oh, you're again. Yeah, exactly. Um, when implementing or when deciding about the certification of a transmission system operator, utmost account means not 100% account, but to the extent possible and permitted under national law. So we have seen cases in Germany, for example, where Bundesnetzagentur did not follow the opinion of the European Commission because it was not in compliance with national law. I believe the German regulator was not the only one who disobeyed the Commission, but there were quite a few cases yes. where they took their own interpretation or preferred their own interpretation yeah. of the European rules. And, and in fact, the, the national regulatory authorities are, of course, bound by national law, um, so they can't, they can't violate national law or infringe national law when applying the unbinding rules on a national level. So what, what were the main findings following the analysis of the opinions of the European Commission? There were um, unclear rules on the exercise of control and rights in ownership unbundled TSOs, then unnecessarily low levels of resources um, at the TSO, such as financing, maintenance and development. The ITO tasks such as um, the ring fencing that I mentioned between shareholder and the management um, were unclearly defined or not clearly enough defined. 
there was a lack of independence of management and the board members. Um, there, there has been also, and that's more interesting case, um, there have been um, defects in the separation between ministries within the state. As you know, there are TSOs that are 100% owned by the state, and the state at the same time owns generation capacity, for example. That's the case in the Czech Republic between CHEPS, the TSO there, and CHES, the in vertically integrated energy undertaking, where the well, state... Uh, France comes to mind as well, yeah. actually. Um, indeed, ADF, where, where the state um, also takes an active role in the generation of energy. So there has been there have been cases of unclear separation between the competent ministries overseeing these activities. Basically, that's an exemption that the member states wrote for themselves, so to speak. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, I think these, these are the, the, the main interesting findings um, that have been summarized nicely by, by the CER report. But overall, the CER and also the Commission who published a report, I think, last year on, the, 2014. on the ITO model, um, um, they are they are fine or confident with how unbundling works. So do we are we, are we going to see a tightening of the rules? No, I don't think so. So I think in summary, indeed, as you say, the CER, which is a report which is based on, on the views of many national regulatory authorities, um, is, is fine with the level of unbundling in practice, um, and so is the European Commission in respect of the ITO model, which does, however, not exclude that the European Commission will take steps um, in respect of improper transposition of the directives into national law. Just recently, um, there has been a case or a new case where the European Commission is going after Germany for improper transposition of the directives into national law um, in on unbundling, such as on the level of independence of, of management here. We'll see how this will further develop, but I don't expect any further tightening at this time of the unbundling rules for transmission system operators. Oh. The CR has published two reports, as we mentioned at the beginning, and the one on the TSOs we've now covered uh, let's turn to the one on the distribution system operators. Those are the, uh, the grid operators uh, on the local level, which basically supply or actually operate the grids through which final consumers are supplied. Can you tell us a bit about the differences between the unbundling of between these two, these two types of grid operators? Yes, um, where for the TSOs, the unbundling requirements have been um, tightened, significantly tightened through the third energy package. The unbundling requirements for the distribution system operators have only been slightly reinforced by the third energy package. Um, and there's, there's no certification requirement in place for DSOs, um, and there's no strict ownership unbundling required either for the DSOs. So we still have the legal function, functional and operational separation of the DSOs from other activities in the supply chain. Um, and you also have to take into account that the, the landscape for DSOs is quite fragmented um, and, and varies from member state to member state. So for example, in Germany, 
we have around 880 electricity DSOs, whereas in other countries there's only maybe one or two DSOs, or in the United Kingdom there are 14 DSOs in the electricity field. Um, and that makes it difficult also to, to apply sort of one-size-fits-all models in unbundling. Okay, and what are the main issues then when it comes to DSO unbundling? Um, so currently there were no major obstacles seen and, and challenges, but um, as we all know, the, the role and importance of energy supplied from renewable sources will, will increase and significantly, um, and that is energy that's produced on a local level that will have to be fed in into the distribution network. And in addition, there will be challenges coming from the introduction of smart metering and smart grids um, that will also increase um, over time. And that will require not only huge investment, but also may require additional unbundling measures in the future. Because the DSOs, distribution system operators, will also handle much more data, for example, that are interesting and relevant for suppliers, traders, uh, generators. And uh, there we might see conflict of interests that are increasing. That, that's correct. And, and CER has published a separate paper in 2015, which is probably the more interesting read in that connection. Um, where the, the general sort of finding of this of CER was that the more DSOs get involved in non-core DSOs DSO activities, um, the greater the need for regulatory oversight and for a reinforced unbundling. More um, so, non-core activities were those in connection with, for example, smart metering, smart grids, and so on, where um, which is not sort of to the core of the traditional activities of DSOs. In, in that paper, um, CR suggested to set the de minimis threshold for the application of unbundling, which is currently at 100,000 connected customers um, at different levels. Um, I think you have to explain that briefly. What, what does this de minimis threshold mean, that they don't have to unbundle? Yeah, that's correct. So you, you don't, as a DSO, you don't have to unbundle, or you can be exempt, um, depending on national legislation from these unbundling requirements um, if you have less than 100,000 connected customers. Okay, there are quite a few of these DSO, I assume, for example, uh, in Germany we have, I think, uh, more than 800 yeah. out of those 880 in, in electricity total, only. in electricity only, um, fall below that threshold. Yeah. So we have quite a high number Yes, that's DSOs, correct. not subject to full exactly. unbundling for DSOs. Yeah, and in, in light of these challenges, um, for future uh, for the future activity of DSOs, CER in the paper of 2015 um, suggested to consider stricter unbundling. Whether or not this is going to um, come into play depends mainly on the Commission and then national national governments whether or not to to introduce stricter rules through let's say a fourth energy package or by tightening the, the current rules. So the CER seems uh, to move away from a one-size-fits-all threshold uh, for the entire EU to taking into account the uh, special features of national markets. Yes. Interestingly, though, um, in the recent report on the status of unbundling of DSOs that also came out on 1st of April, CER does not 
reiterate its position um, taken in the paper of 2015, um, but rather only summarizes what national regulatory authorities have reported to them, and they were also basically happy with the status of unbundling, um, with with a few sort of exceptions. Um, so one can only speculate why CR did not repeat its statements from 2015. Maybe it's because the purpose of the 2016 paper was a bit different, um, which was taking stock of the status of unbundling, whereas 20, the 2015 paper, which had been published at and, and compiled at the initiative of ASA, uh, had, a, had a slightly different focus. And apart from that the minimis topic, uh, what other matters uh, does the CER consider relevant in terms of DSO unbundling? Well, they, they appear to be rather mundane. Um, so it's, it's the main focus is um, the branding of the DSO. So do they hold themselves out as part of a vertically integrated energy undertaking? Is that clear enough? Um, but um, I think that's not a major concern um, that CER and the national regulatory authorities have at this time. So all in all, as I said, the national regulatory authorities seem to be quite happy with the status of unbundling at so the DSO level. everything is fine and we don't need any changes? Or what's coming up? Um, well, at, the t at this time, I wouldn't say everything is fine, but the CER and the national regulatory authorities and also the European Commission have to take into account the, the, the changing role of the DSOs and therefore we will have to expect further measures tightening unbundling rules. Whether or not they're going to come, let's say, this year or next year, it's unclear and would be mere speculation, but I'm quite sure that something is going to happen and that unbundling is going to be tightened, although probably not a full ownership unbundling, even though that has been implemented already in the Netherlands, as an example. Okay. And the reports from the CER, they are available on, on the website? Yes, they're both publicly available, both around 30 to 40 pages read. An interesting read to get a good, to get a good uh, overview on what's happening yeah. on, in, in this topic on EU. Okay, thank you Christopher very much for this, for this information. Thanks Sebastian for taking the time.